I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hey, this is Bob. I'm just jumping in before this episode starts to give you a couple of bits of information there's a uh, few documentaries that we play clips from throughout this episode, and if you wanted to uh, watch them for more information, they are Masters of Rebellion Darkness, The Wickedest Christ. Man in the World. It's a UK Channel 4 documentary, which is available in its entirety in two parts on YouTube. Uh, and also the other one is Alistair Crowley, The Other Loch Ness Monster, which is a BBC documentary also available on YouTube. So if you are after more information or want to watch those in their entirety, you can do so. The other thing, just quickly, is that uh, there's maybe a slight buzzing sound underneath Beef's audio, but only very occasionally, and I did manage to get most of it out. So anyway, I hope you enjoy the episode. Mum, mum, watch me. Mum. Mum, I'm summoning over here, look. Mum. Mum, you're not looking. You missed it. (laughs) I can't do it again. You only get to do it every 3,000 years. Eating excrement. Drinking piss. Drinking blood. Oh, no. Oh, okay, really extreme. Not just, like, giving someone a flogging. I mean, this episode is vile. (laughs) Magic. And I think to myself, how did I get here? Hello and welcome to Weird Tales and the Unexplainable with me, your host today, Tiss. My coast host, my coat, coast host. my co-hosts, as always, Bob Beef. Hey, this is Bob. Hey, this is Beef. How's it going? Uh, yeah, it's going great. There's nothing, nothing unusual happening in the world at the moment, just standard everyday stuff. Just the normal day. Standard. Just the normal <laughs> Tuesday or whatever day it is today. Saturday. <laughs> Definitely not Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I got the day wrong. Dead giveaway. Yeah. Dead giveaway. Thanks to all our listeners who uh, have sent us really nice messages over the last week. 
Uh, not that there's any reason that anyone would have sent anything nice over the last week. Uh, <laughs> they're very appreciative over us not mentioning a certain thing, which we're still not going to mention. All <laughs> <Or> that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That being said, Tis, just take it away, man. <laughs> cool. So uh, I've picked a subject which isn't too somber and is quite cool. fun. Good. But then is also... Good. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's cool. It's Alistair Crowley. Oh, okay. okay. This is this is interesting. I like yeah. this. What do you yeah. what do you know, Bob? Not a lot. No? Um he he dabbled in all sorts of supernatural stuff. Yeah. I know that. Uh and the occult. He was interested in the occult. Yep. Um and the only thing I know about him is the name. And the fact that he did those things and the fact that we've had suggestions from loads of listeners over the years that we should do an episode on him at some point. So when that happens, I try not to look into it until it comes around. Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, I hope I do it justice. I just looked at it today. Yeah, I'm excited for this one. Been a while since we did like a biographical sort of episode. So this is cool. Yeah, it's difficult when it's just one person. Is this your first biographical? Oh, no, you did um, Jonestown. Tesla. And he Tesla. did Tesla as well. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you've done more than everyone else. Nice. Bio. So, uh, Beef, anything you know about Alistair Crowley? Uh, nothing more than Bob just said. Um, yeah, just uh, just the usual stuff, really. I think, like, I seem to remember us reading a couple of stories from, from ages ago when people started rec- um, recommending it, um, but I don't specifically remember what those stories are so i'm excited cool so uh yeah it's it's hard hard to know where to start uh he was into the occult in later life but uh in his early life as a child uh he was in like a very strict christian family Mm -hmm. uh his dad was like an evangelist traveled around they're the worst Bloody Christians. <laughs> <laughs> it always starts with a Christian family. <laughs> he is um he is UK based, right? Is he? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Did not know that. I immediately thought we're talking about someone weird, they must be American. Apologies to all our American listeners. It's <laughs> <laughs> very naughty of me to think that. Um, yeah, and his dad died when he was 11. Oh. Um, and then he became quite rebellious against Christ and started wanting to commit sin and be more free. Sorry, I don't know why that sentence makes me laugh so much. What, rebellious against Christ? He just, yeah, he started to become uh, rebellious against Christ and uh, <laughs> <laughs> want, want to commit sin on purpose. Um, so I've got like a little video of his early life. Oh, here we go. Oh, here we go. Alistair was inspired by his father's evangelizing, and his earliest ambition was to follow him and become a crusader for Christ. Then something happened that completely shattered his world. Crowley's father died suddenly, leaving Alistair, who was still only a boy of 11, bereft. His sorrow turned to anger. He grew to hate his mother, the church, and the pious tutors she employed to school him. 
Crowley became increasingly rebellious. He set about attacking the thing which had made his childhood such a misery. I had arrived at the conclusion that the Plymouth Brethren were an exceptionally detestable crew. I wanted sin, a supreme spiritual sin, but hadn't the slightest idea how to go about it. He really could not bear his mother. And uh, the first opportunity, when he was a teenager, he had the maid on his mother's bed and uh, obviously felt that this was a kind of revenge. He developed a tremendous state of resentment about his family and all the family background. And so, from the beginning, you see, Crowley sort of had a pretty good kind of background in revolt. Crowley failed to distinguish himself during his school days, apart from getting expelled from Tunbridge after catching gonorrhea from a prostitute. At Cambridge, Crowley finally broke free from the shackles of his upbringing. He published his own poetry, revealing a rapidly developing obsession with sex. When Celia comes, to earthquakes hour. The bed vibrates like kettle drums. It is a grand display of power when Celia comes. When Celia farts, my hasty nose sniffs up the fragrance of her parts. Shamed are the violets and the rose when Celia farts. Crowley's poetry was so pornographic that he would have been prosecuted for obscenity had he not taken the precaution of publishing it abroad under a false name. Crowley had the natural appetite for sex you might expect from someone in their adolescence. There was something different about Crowley though, I think. There was almost, he was developing a compulsion. Part of that compulsion seemed to be a compulsion towards sin, a form of blasphemy, a form of spitting in the eye of the Christian church. It was at Cambridge that Crowley first became fascinated with magic and the occult. He heard that there were secret societies whose members practiced dark and forbidden rituals. Crowley was intrigued and was desperate to access this hidden world. From that, I wonder if he... These secret societies that he heard about, I wonder if he believed in what they were doing or he just wanted to do it as to like further his rebellious... rebellion against uh, Christ... Rebellion against Christ. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking that. <laughs> like, it's, it, if it was, uh, I, I was thinking about how it's, uh, it would be understandable if he was just, like, his dad dies and then he's mm. just like, all right, screw you, God. I, I can't, you know, I can't believe you knew anymore if that's happened. Yeah. But I love this idea that he just then went and had a load of sex. Yeah. He hated his mom as well. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what she had to do with it. Did she kill him? Well, I guess him? if he's from a Christian household and he hates his mum and his dad's died, he's like, oh, fuck this bullshit. And he's just doing everything anti... Yeah, I guess so. His home life, what his home life is instilling into him. He's just flailing against it. So if they're quite a conservative home, he's just being balls out with a sex life and... Yeah. Everything. That's it, yeah. All that, all that stuff. Um... You know, he wants to find a secret. Wants to find out about the secret society who are anti-religion and all this stuff. Like everything that's against what's been drummed into him, he wants it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, 
Yeah, there's a there was a guy I used to know, um, who's like went for a similar kind of thing. Um, he didn't have loads of sex though. He just um, started looking into the occult. So I guess it's natural, isn't it? Um, I don't know. Maybe not. Is it me? Did I start a podcast? Is it you? <laughs> Eventually, he started a podcast <laughs> <laughs> about it. <laughs> no, no, it wasn't you. No, I've never delved into the occult. No, um, in a in a realistic way. It's a lot of uh, it's hard reading. Well, isn't isn't Ouija? Isn't that occult? Well, Ouija board. I guess so. Yeah, but that was an experiment. I wasn't yeah. doing it because I wanted to like summon things. Would you not want to, in case you got it right, and summon something? Well. No, no, I'm not bothered about that. I've, I've already <laughs> said I'd be up for trying some of them witch, witchcraft rituals that I spoke about like two years ago. <laughs> um, just interesting. Yeah, interesting guy. Yeah, he was a keen mountaineerer as well. Right. Um, that seems a bit out of step with the rest of his interests. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have loads of sex, hate my mum, climb mountains... <laughs> <laughs> and the cult they were talking about was the golden dawn right okay uh, have you guys heard of that that's kind of an episode in itself got a cool name mm. hermetic order of the golden dawn Ooh. they are like into that. occultism and magic and l- spiritual advancement and development see my curious mind if i if i knew there was a golden dawn meetup near here like weekly, <laughs> the weekly raffle of the Golden Dawn. I would want to attend just to see. There's also a political party, which is the Golden Dawn, which is something different. It's a fascist group. Oh right, just in case I look out, I accidentally attend that. Yeah, don't attend the fascist group. <laughs> for the warning, I appreciate that. But if I know there was like an occult meetup, not that I believe in it, but I would love to attend it for an evening just to see the, what they're getting up to. I feel like it's a secret. But then they'd probably sacrifice me in case I gave away their secrets. I feel like these are a precursor to the Masons. These are right pre-Masonic Masons. Yeah. Stonecutters. Victorian age, 1890s. It, it kind of reminds me of like the Hellfire Caves type stuff, because they still do stuff oh, like that yeah. down there. And like, I remember being a teenager and a group of friends wanted to go. And I told my mum innocently because I had no idea what they do. Um, like I, I was like, oh, a couple of friends are going to Wickham. Do you mind if I go with him? And mum was like, yeah, sure. And then like, she was like, whereabouts are you going? I was like, oh, going to some caves. She went, what caves? Hmm. And I was like, oh, I don't know, just some caves. And she went, yeah, you're not going there. And it was, I, I think. Yeah, I've been to the Hellfire Caves. But it was Me more and Becca like. went there on one of our first dates. But I think it was, we were going to go at night to do some. Right. Because they, like, apparently my mate had said, oh, yeah, they do rituals there. Yeah, I was going to say, because in the day, it's just a museum. <laughs> it's yeah. like, pay your entry, walk into the Hellfire Cave, learn about the stuff they did there. Yeah. But, yeah, they did some crazy rituals in that place. But it's, um, yeah, I tried to explain to my mum. I was like, it's just like, I want to do, like, a Louis through. I don't want to join in. Like, sometimes Louis does join in, but I just want to s- just watch and see what happens. Yeah, that's kind of me with anything that I want to do with the podcast, to be honest. Whenever I... When I did on the Ouija board and when I did the EVP with my cousin, whenever I do these investigations, when I went to the Devil's Bridge with Rick, 
I'm not going down there to summon a devil. I'm no. just curious. Yeah. Do you think you could summon a demon? No. I lack the uh, even if even if that was a viable option, I lack the uh, integrity. I think they wouldn't take me seriously. <laughs> so uh, one <laughs> more thing about Alistair Crowley, or one extra thing. Um, he had a house in Loch Ness, right? And he tried to summon demons there. Oh, what? Love it, Nessie. Uh, using magic, magic. And someone actually uh, believes that the remnants of that magic caused, like uh, the Loch Ness monster, to appear. Ah, oh, love of it. Of course, yeah. Loch Ness absolutely. is a demonic force. It's a demonic spirit. It looks like a serpent, doesn't it? That's definitely an angle I've never come across before. Yeah, no. he tried to um, perform the Abra Melon, which is actually to find your guardian angel. But if you miss, do it then you uh, can come into some trouble. You miss out a couple of the words and say a couple of the other ones backwards. You can go crazy. Man. A magician can go crazy. That's pretty cool. So some pretty scary black magic then. Uh, he, uh, The Golden Dawn, to him, this Golden Dawn lot, uh, were doing sort of very basic magic and he wanted to push the boundaries of magic and push it further. Darker. So he believed in the what they were doing, like he believed in the potential of this magic. Yeah. Well, I guess he must have his Christian upbringing. He knows that good exists, so therefore evil exists. And I suppose yeah. he's seen that tangibly in church, and or I guess he probably would have done, and mm-hmm. just realised, well, the other must be able to summon up some kind of yeah. Demonic forces, demonic Nessie. He either wasn't wasn't scared of that or wanted to align himself with that. Yeah. To prove a point. I feel like it's all it's all to prove a point, isn't it? Against God. Mm. And his mum. <laughs> his mum. He's quite precocious, isn't he? His poor yeah. mum. Mum, look what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> mum, mum, watch me. Mum. <laughs> mum, I'm summoning over here. Look. <laughs> mum. <laughs> mum, you're not looking. <laughs> you missed it. <laughs> I can't do it again. You only get to do it every three thousand years. <laughs> so here we go. I've got a little video. Love it. I love that Nessie's involved in this. Yeah, that I was not expecting the Loch Ness monster to come into this episode, but I'm so glad it did. Crowley began work on the Abra Melian ritual with great enthusiasm and high ideals. In his diary, he describes his promise. Not to use this sacred science to offend the great God, nor to work ill unto my neighbour. The ultimate purpose of that particular operation is to achieve knowledge and conversation of the Holy Guardian Angel, which some people would describe as the higher self, the inner genius. The Holy Guardian Angel is one of the great aids on the way to this enlightenment, I suppose, would would be as good a word as any other. A guardian angel is a name of convenience for this guide who will see you through and who's on your side. It's your own personal guide and 
theoretically, every human being has one. According to its practitioners, part of the process of summoning the holy guardian angel is that the initiate should develop the ability to invoke the lords of darkness and compel them to serve the light. Crowley described the kind of results that began to appear. While I was preparing the talismans, a task which I undertook in the sunniest room in the house, I had to use artificial light even on the brightest days. It was a darkness which might almost be felt. The lodge and terrace, moreover, soon became peopled with shadowy shapes, sufficiently substantial, as a rule, to be almost opaque. In dealing with these dark forces, the holy guardian angel becomes the magician's source of power. You have to command those four lords to gather their minions and make them serve the Lord, the true Lord of Light, the true Lord of creation. Crowley was making steady progress with the Abramelin ritual, but despite his best intentions, he interrupted his work when McGregor Mathers, head of the Golden Dawn, summoned him to Paris. His master at the time in the Golden Dawn was in hot water over something and pleaded with Crowley to come and help bail him out. So Crowley dropped the ceremony, which was, you're not supposed to do this. I mean, once you begin something, you should follow through. In his diary, Crowley wrote, as far as I was concerned, Mathers was my only link with the secret chiefs to whom I was pledged. I wrote to him, offering to place myself and my fortune unreservedly at his disposal. If that meant giving up the Abramelian operation for the present, all right. Interrupting a magic ceremony is a grave thing. I mean, it, he later realized that he should not have gone to Paris, and he should have let his so-called master, his name is Mathers, uh, fall in his own shit. Because uh, finally he realized that he was a false master. If you invoke the spirits to come and help you out, or to teach you, or whatever, there's something important that has to be done afterwards. You banish them, you clear the air. He never did that. After breaking off the ritual, Crowley spent little more time at Beleskin House. But whilst he may have left Beleskin, the forces he had unleashed did not. Well, I mean, apparently a very, very dark cloud hovered over Bleskin House. It is said that locals from Foyers that sort of taking the bottom road used to go all the way around the top to avoid it, that actually it had, you know, an, 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 sort of an, an effect that actually frightened them, basically. And it, that probably added, to some degree, this negative image that Alistair, about Alistair Crowley. I think anybody who tries to control the spiritual world is going to make a mess of it because these spiritual forces and, and entities don't want to be controlled and they will come in, pretend to be helpful and then take over themselves. In the years that followed Crowley, Beleskin House frequently changed hands. Many of its owners suffered either professional or personal misfortune. Another owner of Beleskin, a retired army major, actually committed suicide in the bedroom Crowley used. 
He was had a, supposed to have a room of his own as he came in the front door and his own room and bathroom there. And I went to look and there he was in front of this big mirror and his head off. So I was so scared, I did run back to her bedroom, which was quite a distance, you know. And um, I said, the Major sh shot himself, Mrs. Grant, when we came up. And I went in the front door. There was this little bone at the front door, and she, they had a little doggy. She gave it to him for his birthday. Pickywick was his name. And I says, where did you find that, Pickywick? Because they had a huge fridge. There was nothing in it, and I wondered. And I took the bone and just threw it. <laughs> My husband used to laugh afterwards at what I did. Anyway, the, the detectives, I told the detectives this. We knew it was a bone of his skull. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of Edward's skull. So that, that last little bit, I've actually read that uh, story before. The, the bit that woman was talking about. Okay. And what about the guy that killed himself? Yeah, that's... that's that's the that really rang a bell. You know, I was like at the beginning, I was like, yeah, I've read a few things. That's one of the things I've read that really um, rang a bell with me. Ah, I didn't know any of that. So one thing that I was, I kind of thinking about was when he decided that he wanted to get back at God. Mm. His his plan was to summon his guardian angel. Is that right? Well, they they said that it's yeah, I guess so. It summons a guardian angel. They all seem to say. I don't know if that's. I, I guess a guardian angel is will be if you know, but better than me is that's specific to the individual, right? Yeah, that's the, yeah. It's um, it depends what you believe, but yeah. So if you do that that spell or whatever they've got, that's supposed to summon your particular guardian angel. Oh right. But then I guess he bastardized it a little bit or fucked around with it. Yeah, I don't know. To invoke evil. Because, yeah, he'd be a bit stuck if he did manage to summon it. Yeah. You'd just be like, oh, thanks for saving my life all those times I didn't know about. <laughs> that's what I wonder, like, anyone who did believe it, that's why I wondered, like, does he believe it? Because anyone who did believe it, why would they do it yeah. yeah it's like he's just testing it but then he just he does also seem to have a belief in it as well i guess i don't know maybe just start off with something that's only going to give you a good result so that you know it works and then mm. you go a bit deeper i don't know and i've never really thought about it myself so but yeah it just seems a bit strange to me that he would go for his guardian angel yeah seems like the safest thing to do his biggest thing was like sex rituals, though. Right. Sex rituals. And there's an article uh, where the title is uh, The Modern Porn Mimics Alistair Crowley's Sex Magic Philosophies. Ah, oh, interesting. Mm. But then when I read into what happened, Crowley, I can't find it, but it, it said that uh, the ritualistic sex that he'd take part in would be like um, eating excrement oh. drinking piss oh. Uh, oh no drinking blood oh no oh okay really extreme not just like sacrifice giving someone a flogging <laughs> uh, but also using drugs anything to get 
to a higher state of consciousness. Eating excrement. To push push the boundaries as much as mentally possible, as much as bad as you could think the boundaries could be pushed doing it. Yeah, basically. And like, what's the outcome of me doing this? But at no point, if I was eating my own poo, at no point well, would I be like... his own. He didn't well, say someone it was his own. Or someone else's, just any. At no point would my thought yeah. process be, oh, I bet God is hating this. Well, he would be though. What, more than yourself? <laughs> what, more than... At that point, I think my thought process would be like, what am I doing? I think I hate myself. I feel like I'd brush my teeth for a solid hour afterwards. <laughs> yeah. Like, no matter how God feels about it, I'm not sure I'd enjoy it too much. But I suppose that's part of it, isn't it? The self-loathing. Yeah, he's not necessarily... The enjoyment comes from how taboo you're being. It might not necessarily be the act itself. Oh, that's weird. It shows how vanilla my sex life is. So I always think that afterwards, um, he would be thinking, what was I doing then? Because sometimes, you know, <laughs> Go on. to be too candid. Go on. But we're all adults here. In the heat <laughs> of the moment, your, your brain will go along with whatever. You get carried uh, but away. But afterwards, yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> say something embarrassing, do something embarrassing. <laughs> And then afterwards, you'll be like, what was I doing there? I don't know. Becca's behind you. Should we ask her? I mean, I like that my brother listens to this, but okay. Um, <laughs> hi, Dan. Um, <laughs> but, and then sometimes you can like kind of look back on on um, them scenarios and be a little bit like, that's a bit embarrassing. Um, yeah. So, or you'd just be, what was I doing? So after you've been munching on excrement as Tiss said yeah you were, I feel like afterwards you're like what was I doing then yeah I lost my head I was all in the moment <laughs> yeah when you're yeah. brushing your teeth like I said bleeding gum shoy <laughs> I don't know it's not for me no it's not just so it was excrement and blood drinking blood yeah urine Anything to push to that higher state of consciousness. Did Nothing... you say sacrifice in amongst that? Not always, though. I think I think there was sacrifice, animal sacrifices that happened in in the sex act. I think the sex was. All, I think it was just freedom to do whatever, express yourself, right. and follow your path. Okay. Uh, it was adopted. Uh, Crowleyism was adopted by a lot of rock stars in the seventies, mid seventies. Right. And it was a hedonistic sort of way of doing things isn't that when uh what's his name uh isn't that when like ozzy osborne would eat like bats and stuff or apparently he ate a bat's head once yeah yeah he did bite the head off a bat yeah is there any link you would would you bleep it he he did it it's funny because people think it was like intentional but what happened is someone threw a bat a rubber bat, what he thought was a rubber bat. Oh, and he bit that off. Yeah, that's that's it. I think you're right. And he bit the head off it, and it was a real one, and he had to have, like, 50 rabies shots in his ass. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a minute. If he's got rubber bats and plastic bat or whatever as part of his act, and in amongst it are real bats there, and he grabs it and bites his head off, the person who threw that real bat, where the hell did they get it from? Yeah. Fuck knows. That's what I want to know. I feel like that's him trying to cover up for something he did, which he maybe thought was a bit silly after he did it. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, that that's one of those points I where it's it in his dressing room. I thought it was a plastic bat, Sharon. 
Well, it didn't even taste like rubber, did it, Sharon? I thought it was a fucking rubber bat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. <laughs> oh man, that's so uh, stupid. I, I am enjoying the direction this episode's going in, I'll say that. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Not even a good Aussie impression, I'll I'll say that then. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> good old Aussie. Oh, bless yeah, he's still alive, isn't he? He's still going. Is he? Yeah. Wow. Someone's going to buy his head off on stage. <laughs> the old bat. <laughs> <laughs> isn't he still... He's still touring, isn't he? He did like a tour last year. Maybe. Yeah. Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath played, right? Really? Yeah, yeah. He seemed pretty much dead when that TV show was on like 10 years ago, but still going. Yeah. What's, what's he being kept alive with now? Celebrities seem to just have... Technology to stay alive. He's like Keith Richards. He just keep going. Stem cells. Occult rituals. Occult rituals. Stem cells. Eating shit. Right, Tiss, get us get us back on a rail. This is <laughs> awful. I might have to yeah, edit some of this down and remove some of it. Uh, <laughs> well, so another life event. Um, Crowley and his then wife went on the honeymoon to Egypt, Cairo. Wow. So where and when when was this? Because we're talking a long time ago. That's quite an, an an exciting journey for that era. So he was clearly quite a wealthy guy if he was a mountaineer as well. Yeah. So he was he got a trust fund when he was a kid and then basically uh, was able to live however he wanted to. Uh as a just right. uh, travelling sex magician. <laughs> I love it. What a lifestyle. What a lifestyle. <laughs> Is that, I want uh, a that business it... card that says Bob Shoy, travelling sex magician. <laughs> I was going to say, that would look really good on a business card, yeah. <laughs> I love that we both went to the same place. Yeah. <laughs> so they went to Cairo and they did a ritual in the Great Pyramid, in the um, the Hall in of the, the King. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Could you do that nowadays? I don't know if you can. It was in the king's chamber. And um, during the ceremony, his wife uh, said to him, they are waiting for you. And um, said she was being like possessed by something or something was speaking through her. And it was Horace. Horace? And he was like, nah, this is, she was just saying that. So the next day they went to a museum and she didn't have a lot of knowledge of Egyptology or Egyptian history. Mm. And they walked around the museum and sure enough, she pointed out Horus out of all the statues. So that was the one that communicated with her. Hmm. Then she, so they saw Horus and from that time onwards, they went back to the hotel room and Alistair Crowley got dictated to by this power uh, this book, the Book of Law, which is his occult book right. that he wrote, and that sets out the sort of um, the rules of his sort of. Sorry, boys, hang on. Sorry, I'm gonna have to let Nikki out. She's being a dick. Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's pretty old now. We don't think she's gonna last oh, too much longer. Oh no! Get some Crowley. Get some she's resurrection like... on it. She's, like, incredibly disabled. Mm. 
and oh. <laughs> really bad arthritis in her back leg. That's sad. So, well, she had a good life. Yeah, still sad. She is six. Is that old for a rabbit? Yeah, I guess so. For her species, it's incredible. The last time we took her to the vets, he said, I can't believe she's still alive. She seemed in good health when I saw her at Christmas. She must have just been excited to see me, I reckon. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Yeah, she's definitely had a little downturn. Anyway. Yeah, so he's in Egypt chatting to to Horace and Gromit. Horace. Horace and Gromit. (laughs) So, yeah, he wrote the Book of Law, and uh, I've got this little video that explains that little passage of time as well. Okay. Alistair Crowley had delved deep into black magic, but in all the rituals he had performed, he had failed to communicate with a demonic entity. He believed that this was necessary to become a supreme master of the occult who could harness the powers of darkness. At midday on the 4th of April, 1904, in a hotel room in Cairo, what he had been waiting for all his life was about to happen. Crowley heard an unearthly voice from over his left shoulder. For one hour, at precisely the same time over the next three days, Crowley said that the voice dictated to him the Book of the Law, the work that would become the Bible of his new religion. The Book of the Law, it just really is ripping up everything. It's ripping up the Bible, it's ripping up the Koran, you know, it's uh, ripping up all the holy books and saying, we're starting fresh now. This is the word, this is the word of the new eon. We're going to peck out the eyes of Christ on the cross. It's very, very blasphemous. It's all about liberation. It's all about having no restrictions at all. You follow your path, you follow your goal in life, and you do that above all else. The Book of the Law is the Bible of the religion Crowley was endeavouring to found, a book of inspired writings, whereby Crowley portrays himself as a medium for some higher force. Inevitably, with an egomaniac like Crowley, he finds himself cast in the central role. The Book of the Law states, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. In other words, people have the right to determine exactly how to live their lives, regardless of moral and religious boundaries. Crowley saw himself as the prophet of this new creed, and a year later showed just how far he was prepared to take it when he set off to conquer one of the world's highest mountains. Crowley had started climbing as a teenager, scaling the perilous chalk cliffs of Beachy Head. In 1905, a year after the Great Revelation in Cairo, Crowley led the first attempt on the world's third highest mountain, Kanchenjunga. I wanted to talk about the, the Bible and shit. Yeah, the Book of the Law. Okay, so that's insane. Yeah. Because it seems contradictory to me. So he wrote, he formed basically his own religion and he wrote the Book of the Law, which yeah. is basically the Bible of that religion. Yeah. And the basis of that religion seems to be do whatever the hell you want. And yeah. it basically seems to be about just selfishness. Yeah, I think people say that it's also sort of closet Satanism. Yeah, but also in the middle of it, he has positioned himself as a prophet. And I'd, I write notes when we watch these videos so I can remember what to talk about. I'd written egomaniac about 20 seconds before on the video. They said he was an egomaniac. Yeah. Which is so contradictory to like, do what you want but worship me? Well, can I do what I want or do I, or do I worship you? Like, 
they don't it's just really yeah yeah a bit bonkers it doesn't really follow you either do what you want and it's all about yourself or is it all about him and he's your prophet because he kind of wants both can't have your cake and eat it i guess it's like do what you want but i'm gonna do what i want and i'm stronger right but what if what if what other people want is to become their own prophet and get everyone else to serve them. Exactly. It seems like a mess. It's nuts, isn't it? He hasn't thought this through. <laughs> I mean, I, I saw some holes in it in about, <laughs> in about a two-minute video. So. <laughs> I think it's like I don't really understand. Like this whole idea of this seems to crop up a lot when we talk about satanic stuff. This idea of the ultimate aim being... You could just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. That that's that in life, that's that actually to be rebellious is to do whatever you want. Which I suppose that's what sin is. Like if you to look at sin, like the definition of sin in terms of the way I would define it is is almost like selfishness personified. So it's it's like if you're if you're choosing to be so sin if you're choosing to be sinful. Sin is when you do something that you know is going to hurt someone else, but you do it anyway. So, I don't know. What I don't understand about that do what you want thing is it's like, Mm. it almost suggests that what you want is horrible things. Because surely you can just do what you want in life anyway. Yeah, exactly. But most people, what they want is to be a good person. Yeah. And that, it just so happens to be in line with a lot of religious ideals not just christian like be a good person is like the heart of a lot of belief and faith yeah and most people that i know would if they could do whatever they want in life is be a good person anyway yeah so these sort of anti-religions always like you can do whatever you want as if like the fact that they had to follow the religion they're in was the only reason they were a good person in the first place which doesn't square to me at all it just feels insane well i guess i guess it like I don't know what what period he grew up in, but we're talking what over a hundred years. Like when when was it? When was he alive, Tiss? Or when was he? It was a while ago, right? Nineteen oh five was the around the time that he wrote the Book of the Law, or just after. Yeah, so within the last sort of like hundred years or so. Mm. Okay, so I guess the I guess the only thing I can think of is um, Christianity. Just because that, that's kind of like Victorian era, like coming out of Victorian era, really. Mm-hmm. Like Christianity would have been more repressive, right, and less freeing, I suppose. Yeah, it's just expected to be a lot more chaste, I imagine, in that era. Yeah, I think so. Like, for example, my my nan always tells us, like, when she looks back on her childhood, that she, on a Sunday she wasn't allowed to do any there was no music no books nothing it was basically we go to church we pray and then that's that's it well that's what sundays are for and i think it's so i think that the reason it feels so alien now is because even me with my faith my faith doesn't restrict me at all like there's nothing and actually if i was to say does yeah does my faith make me more free or does it restrict me then of course it makes me more free so it feels alien to me that he would say, well, do whatever you want. That's, um, you know, that is like anti-religion. Just do whatever you want. But mm. it's like, I can do whatever I want 
uh, but I'm not going to choose to do horrible things because I don't want to be a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Like, but then everyone's going to, most people are going to think that. So that's the only thing I could think is that he's, he obviously grew up in a time where Christianity was um, restricting and repressive and controlling. I think it was about sex, sexual repression mostly from what I can gather. Yeah, that would have been very like yeah. repressed, especially in, in Christianity in that era wouldn't have been like sexually sexuality wouldn't have been discussed or open it would have been you know a thing that happened between a man and a wife on your birthday once a year yeah never spoken about (laughs) um and he was just probably like i've had enough of this i've had enough of all this everything telling me what to do what i can't do i'm going to do whatever i want and i'm going to be the ultimate anarchist and i'm going to push it to the most extreme i'm going to shock people um he just wants to be a shocking he's like a shocking teenager pushing the boundaries but like once he hit that stage you never yeah. grow out of it yeah no he's like you can't stop me i'm gonna eat all the shit i want like, <laughs> knock yourself out fully boots mate <laughs> yeah, go for it please yeah but i guess that would have been the era he grew up in it would have been more controlling much more conservative i i think you're right I think that would have a massive effect on it. I think I think Christianity is much more liberal now, um, and a lot more understanding of lifestyles and just the context of culture that we now live in and find ourselves in. People now read the Bible more into the situation that we live in now rather than yeah, just what it meant years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Can you buy the the his Bible? Can Tis? Can you get hold of it? The Book of the Law, yeah. Yeah, it's available in all all good bookshops. Mm. I'll be interested if any of our listeners have read that out of curiosity or of an actual interest. Like, Same, yeah. I'm not going to sit and read the Book of the Law, but I'd be interested if any listeners out there have read that. Uh, get in contact. Yeah. Do any of you abide by if, it? And was it out of curiosity or was it like you were considering signing up to his belief system? Yeah. You couldn't wait to chow down on it. Uh, Nice big pile of excrement. <laughs> I wanted to give some purpose and direction to that motive. I don't want to be weird to just eat excrement for the, <laughs> for the sake of it. I want to have a purpose. I doubt he says about that in his book. And I doubt the book of the law is like, thou shalt, thou <laughs> must mow down on an old nappy. <laughs> Here we've got a little uh, insight actually into the sexual rituals. Um... Oh, please. Oh, yeah. yeah, seriously. I actually love this shit. <laughs> well, not that shit, but... <laughs> <laughs> the sex magic rituals Crowley asked them to perform became more and more extreme. Probably the most controversial and lurid episode in the whole Chefalu period is the attempted copulation between uh, one of his scarlet women, Leah Hersig, and a goat. Now, supposedly, at the time of orgasm, the goat was to mount Leah Hersig, and at the time of orgasm, it was to have its throat cut. You can wonder whether what he was trying to do was, A, to test the dedication of his disciples to see how far he could push them. Perhaps he also thought it would be a good show. I mean, Crowley was dedicated to novelty, and I dare say that would be a novelty to most people. The goat, the symbol, of course, of Satan, 
um, normal man and woman is, is repulsed by this sort of thing and we wonder what actually can bring human beings to this and I think what has happened was that in the Abbey they had sated or satisfied so many of their appetites that all the time they were going just that bit further until eventually they were copulating with animals um, and I suppose when you get to that stage it is uh, symbolic of the depth of evil. Things started to go wrong at the Abbey. Crowley struggled with his growing drug addiction. Jesus. Sorry, did he say they started having sex with animals? So this is... Sorry. This is flash forwards. Yeah, uh, he did, by the way. Okay. To He had a commune in Italy. Oh. Yeah, sorry, I just... I missed what... I, I guessed that he'd said copulated. He said copulating with animals, yeah. Yeah. He said okay. you push it further and further until like... You know. You know. You're copulating with animals. And I think to myself, how did I get here? When he's got his dick in a sheep. Oh, like, God. <laughs> David burning it. <laughs> an image for you. So this 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 is his commune in, in Sicily. He went away to Italy to start a commune where they were just having sex orgies all the time i mean part of me can sympathize with it because every um sort of curious teenager who's looking at porn for the first time has gone oh, i'm gonna click on that oh i've never seen that before mm. and then that's like they see the next thing they see the next thing and before they know it you know <laughs> they think to themselves how did i get here <laughs> they're looking at something which yeah. is so far beyond <laughs> what they initially were looking at they're like wow, that's the dangers of the internet. And now I've just seen something that makes you go, oh, fuck, close browser. And um, he's doing that bit in real life. Just did that in real life, yeah. Just kept... Yeah, pushing pushing boundaries, yeah. And there's no turning back, is there? He can't just, he can't just close the tab when he's actually, I don't know, drinking blood whilst having sex with a goat. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> oh. I mean, the, yeah. I mean, this episode is vile. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, have to put, I normally put a, a rating when I upload our podcast, like R-rated adults only, but I feel like this has to, it's like a triple X. How I felt about the whole thing was pretty much what you just said. It's just like, it just seems like a guy who got lots of money given to him. Yeah. And a trust fund and yeah. then just thought, fuck it, I'm going to go and have the craziest sex I can and and take loads of drugs. That was the whole thing about this uh, commune in Sicily it was just sex and drugs always drugs but he's not he doesn't seem to be getting any fulfilment out of it it seems to me like he's thinking no. fuck this I'm going to do all the sex I want the craziest stuff you've never heard of I'm going to be really blasphemous and say the most outrageous stuff that no one's ever even thought to say I'm going to write this book I'm going to travel here and do these weird rituals and he's never he has to keep whatever direction he's doing it in the occult, the sex, the blasphemous, blasphemous stuff, whatever direction he's taking it in, he has to push it and push it and push it because it's never enough. Yeah. He's not getting the satisfaction. Like, where's the end game for yeah, this? Exactly. I'm not getting it. I've got to push it further. I've got to push it further. And it's like, this isn't a fulfilling goal that you're on. No. No. No one's no one's gaining anything satisfactory from this. He never seems to be satisfied, otherwise he wouldn't have to keep pushing. Because he's eventually he runs out of road and it's like, where do I go from here? 
Yeah. I've, I've already had sex with sheep. I was watching a David Bowie interview earlier right. where he was saying about his lowest point in his life was when he was in this crowliest mindset where celebrities were into that, into that, uh, what mm-hmm. was it, the mid-70s, Crowleyism, celebrities were getting into it because rock stars had similar lives, didn't they, really? Yeah, we can do whatever we want with beyond power. Yeah. Sex and drugs. Uh, and yeah. When you could make money, when you actually made money from the music industry and you could actually do things with it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. When being in a band gave you power, weirdly, which it doesn't now. <laughs> no, <laughs> not at all. But bearing in mind what happened in the 70s, probably for the best, some of it. Yeah, for sure. I'd say so. I'll say it doesn't appeal to me. What, like disgusting sex? Oh, well, that side of it, that's that's the most interesting side of it. Uh, but just like this... The rock star lifestyle. Yeah, just this, I'm going to push everything. I'm gonna, it just seems tiring. It's like, how much effort can I put into pushing a boundary? Like, can't I just sit down and read a book sometimes? And not some horrible dirt book. <laughs> I'm talking about, you know... <laughs> <laughs> just just a bit the just, bible yeah, not even that just a trashy novel like an old western <laughs> just like nothing just just a story mm. doesn't have to mean anything sometimes i feel like his whole life is about like meaning because that must be exhausting i i i mean maybe this is just me being in my 30s now and this is just my mindset mm. but yeah when i think of that being the lifestyle of a rock star, like probably the same age as me. I'm like, it just sounds really exhausting. I haven't got, I haven't got the energy for it. Where did they get the energy for it? Drugs, drugs, cocaine. <laughs> well, yeah, there we go. Yeah, lots of cocaine. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Especially Bowie. Oh, mate, you forgetting he's dead. Yeah. <sighs> yeah, drugs would give you energy, wouldn't it? Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna leave that pause. I normally edit down a pause, but I'm gonna leave that. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so there was a bit. Sorry, I missed out a bit earlier. Uh, him and uh, another guy um, went into the desert and opened the gates of hell in the desert and performed a sex ritual, and that pushed him to the next level and that was the precursor to him going to sicily and starting this cult oh oh that's all he just opened the gates to hell and uh his religion philema 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 yeah that's sounds like um like a, a medicine brand <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> why why sicily just because it's a nice place to go i guess so he got kicked out of sicily by mussolini Really? In the end. Because uh, he was such a... You know you've got to be a c- if Mussolini's kicking you out. <laughs> he got a lot of bad press. <laughs> Mussolini um... was like, oh, he's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. Even <laughs> even a dictator is like, oh, I can't cope with this guy. He's such yeah, he's a giving dick. Yeah, he's giving our country a bad name. <laughs> he yeah. got a lot of bad press, did uh, Keith Crowley. <laughs> so, um, so he opened the gates to hell. He opened the gates of hell in the desert. Yeah. Says him. Uh, he he opened... Uh, he, he unleashed demons in Loch Ness. Mm-hmm. He started a commune. 
Yeah. Had lots of sex. Started... Wrote an anti-Bible. Wrote, wrote a lot of, yeah, occult literature. Was linked to the Golden Dawn, which is another sort of episode in itself, I think. Went into the pyramids. Yeah, went into a pyramid. Went into the Great Pyramid. Did a ritual in there. Just a very rich man that just did loads of... Uh, just, just thought, fuck it, I'm going to be a magician. <laughs> and he was married. Someone married this maniac. Yeah. And so, uh, hang on a minute. So his commune in Italy. Yeah. Like, how popular was it? Or, like, how successful was it? Uh, Not massively successful at the time, I wouldn't have thought. Um, I don't think there's, like, a... But enough that Mussolini had enough of him. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he was quite famous uh, for being a hellraiser and being against the grain. Jeez. Yeah, the Book of Law, the True Will... Cosmology. Yeah, so it's saying here, Philema, which is his religion, it's Freemason, movements of Freemasonry, and so it's tied in with the Freemasons and those sorts of characters, like higher level. Do you think, so did the Freemasons just grow out of the thing that he created? No, I feel like the Freemasons and the Golden Dawn are quite linked. Right, okay, yeah, and that's not his thing, that's just... I think this, his his religion, I think apparently he was a Freemason and a high-level occultist in those circles, but then Mm. he started his own thing, which was like his offshoot, where he was like, fuck it, I'm powerful, I'm going to do this stuff on my own. Mm-hmm. But still tied to the others. Yeah, I think the Masons is yeah, it's a, a different thing altogether, isn't it? I don't, I don't think they're as uh, extreme. And he was uh, painted as a defector in the war, the First World War, um, because he tried to get a job in the army in the UK. Right. And when they um, knocked him back, uh, he went and worked for the German press, oh. uh, printing propaganda. But then he said oh, wow. that he was doing it to try and... Push boundaries? Devalue the German spirit. Right, okay. But yeah, he was labelled as... Um, he got a really bad label while he was alive. Yeah. Uh, just because of all the crazy shit he did. I'm sure he loved that, though. He's not... I feel like these days, he would just be like the norm. Okay. But the, in those days, it was like crazy. In these days, people would be like, try hard. Yeah. Fucking try hard. Totally. Yeah. Wouldn't really work these days, would it? No, but he's a maverick, I guess, uh, for those types of people. Mm. Outsiders. A hero for the outsiders, yeah. Yeah, but just took it a little bit too far. And yeah, in later life, he had a kid uh, and sort of loved it. And I think he sort of renounced a lot of the stuff. Not renounced, but I don't know, like uh, he ended up penniless from all right. his excess and tired from it and just exhausted and uh just mellowed out a bit yeah he had a kid that was like a, a child that he was said to have actually cared about and loved and yeah he just went on a massive massive bender yeah yeah for a large period of his life and then thought oh, i'll just settle down now to be fair when I was a teenager and got a bit of money for the first time, mm. I feel like I went out 
Well, those sort of places didn't exist when he was around, but like partying, nightlife, yeah. drinking too much. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 me. But in that era, I guess, he just did that, but didn't know when to call it quits. And in that era, I guess there wasn't the outlet that he was looking for. I guess so. So he created one. Yeah. And didn't know when to stop. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. That's true, actually. I was saying this to Rachel a few weeks ago, how when I think back to what I used to get paid years ago, when I first started at um, this internet company I used to work for, yeah, the amount of money I was giving my parents as like keep, yeah, was really minimal. Yeah, and I said to Rachel, I was like, "What did I do with all that money?" You would think, like, no, you would think nothing of going out drinking for the night and costing. I don't know. Like, I used to get a taxi home, and it was like forty quid. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, for the taxi home. Yeah, I used to spend like sixty, sixty, maybe ninety quid on a night out. Drinking. Yeah, seven, seven, yeah, seventy quid yeah. was my regular. Like, I'm going out drinking. It's going to cost me about seventy quid. Yeah, and you're doing that multiple yeah. nights a week at some points, and it's just like, what am I doing? That's like all your money. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Yeah. I used yeah. to buy like a lot more games and stuff as well, I suppose. I don't know. Everything I felt yeah. like everything was just wasted when I was a teenager. Yeah. The lizard lounge. The, li- <laughs> the lizard lounge. Scoffers. Oh. <laughs> Scott, don't mention scoffers. My cousin listens to this. When I said that we went to scoffers and we went down to he was like, Oh, you went I there. I fucking <laughs> love scoffers. It turned his stomach. I would love to go to Scoffers again. Sounds dreadful. I don't think Scoffers do anything vegan. No, I just just a Scoffers burger for old times' sake. I'd die with the amount of meat that would, you know, be in it. But yeah, <laughs> I'd definitely throw throw it straight back up. Yeah, but I would love to eat it again. Oh, they were so dirt. They were so dirt. They were that's the might be the dirtiest burger. And because it was so dirty, it was so satisfying in a weird way. Yeah. Dirty food used to be amazing and now it's all it makes you hurt. When you're younger, <laughs> there's no consequences. No. When you're older, mm. you have to fucking live with the consequences of what you've eaten. It's bullshit. I mean, I like that this... Oh, do, I do like it and I don't like it that this episode's ending on us just like lamenting that we're all in our 30s now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good thing because we're finally eating improperly, but it sucks because all the good things are bad for you. Because I don't have much energy anymore. I know, right? It was the other day... Well, the other day, before the event... Um Careful. We were sat eating fish and chips with my mum and dad and my, my brothers. My brother chowing down on the biggest, dirtiest, greasiest kebab I've ever seen. <laughs> and he was like, oh, this is so good, so good. And I just, me and my brother looked at each other, me and Joshua, I was like, I would be paying for that severely tomorrow morning if if that was my meal. I just <laughs> can't, my stomach just can't cope anymore. No. Yeah. It's just become weak. I'm starting to struggle with things like onions and mushrooms. Oh, God. No way. I love onions and mushrooms. Exactly. That's my problem. I love, like, onion soup. I made a really good onion soup the other day. It was so nice. And, uh, oh, man, it wasn't worth it. (laughs) 
just wasn't worth do, it. Do you remember when um, energy drinks first came out and you wouldn't think twice about having like two or three a day? I, no, never. I have I, half I, of one <laughs> in a day. Never, and I was like, what? Never. No, I'd never do that. Okay, when they first came out, I used to drink like two a day sometimes. My brothers used to. I'm just like, you're insane. Or two in a day. But it's just like, I have half a can now and I'm just like wired. But I used to go out and drink very regularly uh, tequila, vodka, and Red Bull together. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there you go. And think nothing of like knocking them back all night. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I used to like. That was the whole range. Remember in uh, sixth form, <laughs> used to drink Red Bull all day, like three oh, or four cans God. of Red Bull a day. What's that doing to I you? I just couldn't. I just can't. Like, I just couldn't. I've never enjoyed energy drinks. No. Just no, no. What's thanks. happened to this episode? Our listeners, that's yeah. Like, what the fuck is this? It's just three <laughs> sad old men talking about how they can't drink an energy drink. What the fuck is this? Can you imagine if this is someone's first episode? Uh, it's, it's so just sad. Deteriorated so quickly. It's yeah. So sad. Well, I'm I'm done on my Alistair Crowley. I feel like I've butchered it a little bit, but uh, all I could find out that he was this sort of wealthy sexual deviant. What did you call him? A sex magician. Which, by today's standards, is just sort of sexual. Every every wealthy man deviant. Yeah, pretty um, much. It's like we said on other episodes. Weird Tales episodes are a springboard to ignite your interest. If you found us talking about Alistair Crowley and the sort of stuff he's into and the, the hints at his lifestyle interesting, use it as a springboard to go research further into this man yourself. And um, what's the name of the documentary we played clips from? It was Masters of Darkness, the wickedest man in the world. There we go. Uh, check it out. It's all on YouTube, right? Yeah. So you can watch the whole thing on there. It'll give you much more information. We're more of a, a chatting show. I feel like I have to explain what our fucking podcast is every episode now. <laughs> <laughs> We're chatting around a subject. We're chatting around it. So many people, uh, well, as you know, one or two people have a problem with it. But Well, one person has a problem with me in particular, but that's another story. <laughs> yeah. Mate, that was insane. That was insane. Yeah. It's the first time I think one of us in particular has been personally attacked, which I found fairly amusing, but also pissed me off. Yeah. Thanks to the nice listeners who, in response to the shit message, uh, were incredibly nice, incredibly kind. Yeah. So, uh, Mate, that was really good fun. Nothing more on Crowley. I mean, this is... I mean, people keep saying they want a nice distraction at the moment. They want us to talk about distracting things so we don't talk about the thing. Yeah. Um, I think this has been a distraction. We've been distracting ourselves away from the topic <laughs> the time. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I feel like oh, I feel like Crowley's got such a reputation that maybe I've missed something. Mm-hmm. There was something obvious, but I don't know. That's that's all I could find. Uh, maybe his texts would be somewhere to start to get more thorough look at his beliefs i mean like i said before if any of our listeners have read that book his crazy anti-bible uh was it the book of the law yeah i'd be fascinated to hear what you thought of it um and if you do want to contact us with that information or anything else you can do so at the email unexplainableuk at mail.com 
or on the website. You can contact us on there at weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com. And on that website, you can also find links to various ways to support us donating wise uh links to our twitters the facebook uh the t public page to buy merch all that good stuff uh, that was a nice segue wasn't it into the outro stuff nice well done thanks nice it's like i've done it before 136 times um <laughs> <laughs> other than that this is the last Oh, it's not the last episode of this series. So I've recorded an episode with Rick uh, of Weird Tales Revisited. That'll go up on the feed in two weeks' time. And then we're taking a month off, uh, as we said we will do from now on. And then we'll be back with another series of episodes. Uh, So the one I recorded, I've already recorded it, the next one with Rick. And it's really good. We talk about... um, Actually, I'll just leave it. We don't normally announce what the episodes are beforehand, do we? It'd be a nice surprise. (laughs) Look forward to it. Um, and is there anything else we need to talk about before we wrap I think that's it I think we've done it yeah covered it I do want to say Duncan really sorry to hear your wedding got cancelled because of everything that's happening in the world right now yeah that's so, yeah, sorry man that really sucks cancelled wedding of the week um, I've got a really good pet of the week oh uh, yeah okay. we had some really good pet of the weeks uh, now we've opened it up you know I said I wanted some interesting animals uh, so yes. this the person who sent this will in no way be listener of the week, ever. Okay, because it's uh, it's Mr. Anderson. Yeah, <laughs> of course. But he did send he did send a picture of um, Lenny. This is uh, tortoise of the week. Tortoise of the week. Nice, oh, awesome. So, uh, oh, lovely. Hello, Lenny. We're really really getting out there with uh, the pets of the week now. Yeah, tortoise of the week. Thank you. Uh, a listener of the week uh, uh, is Mark Bridgewater. Uh, Mark, you contacted me on Twitter a little while ago, and you're, you've recently discovered us. So he found us on the Nut Through the Numbers Station episode. So that's like episode three. So he's got a long way to come, mm. but I love giving a new listener listener of the week because when he's like 130 episodes down the line, he's suddenly going to hear this and be like, oh my God. When I sent that tweet like two years ago, yeah, they made me listener of the week. He's got something to look forward to. So in the future, Mark Bridgewater, yeah, listener of the week, listener of the week, listener of the week. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'm glad you uh, enjoyed what the song. That's good. Isn't it funny how it feels to me like every new listener starts on the number stations episode it is such a that one and it's the tissy's early ones are the ones they find us it's always that or sleep paralysis yeah people say i found because the sleep paralysis one for a long time if you just searched google like sleep paralysis because if it happened to you and you didn't know what it was and you searched it we were like a really high hit we were high up there so that's how a lot of people found us early on no way nice uh, and number station. I think a lot of people just have a fascination with number stations. We did when we started. That's why, like, we sort of said, "Oh, we need to talk about that," and then Tiss jumped on it for his like first episode. Yeah, yeah, it was a very early interest for the pod. Hmm. So there we go. Yeah, listen of the week, pet of the week, all that stuff. If you've got those things, contact us at the places we said. Uh, Tiss uh, during his. Uh, I was about to say the L word during his time at home over the last week. <laughs> <laughs> has been working on loads of new music um so tis i would like to set you to send me something you've been working on for outro music sweet um, nice 
And for that, I've been really terrible at spotlighting listeners' music for the outros this series uh, because I've been super busy. But I will trawl through the ones that have been sent to us before and add any new ones to a pile. And I mean it, next series, I'll put a lot more listeners' music up. So if you make music, if you're in a band, if you're a solo musician, anything, if you make music of any kind and you want us to feature one of your tracks as an outro music on Weird Tales, for the next series, contact us at the places mentioned before and uh, we'll make sure to highlight some of them next series. Awesome. 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 Okay. Lovely. I think we're done then. Hell yeah. Absolutely. That was good fun. Thanks, Tiss. I really enjoyed that. That was Another light-hearted, fun uh, topic. It's a lovely distraction at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I needed it. Every Even my lectures, I, when I have my lectures, even the tutor is like, I love in lectures at the moment. It's such a nice distraction. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, communication with people where that topic is off the table is very much appreciated. It's just easier to forget that it's going on than it is to be constantly reminded. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, exactly. Don't need to know. I don't even know what we're talking about. It's, we haven't. We're not even mentioning it. <laughs> no. Talking about what? What's that? Is your call recording ended? All right. Okay. Well, we better close up the episode then. So Tiss is recording. Just shout out. Uh, me and Beef will say goodbye without him. Uh, but thanks for <laughs> listening. Me and Rick next week. Uh, next episode, and then after a month, we'll be back with uh, five new episodes. Um, bye-bye love you lots see ya bye-bye love you take love care love you lots see ya bye-bye bye love you lots bye. bye-bye Tiss is saying bye in my ear but he's not here <laughs> his mic is off <laughs> Tiss shout bye again and I'll put my headphone up to the microphone hopefully that'll come out okay this is one of Tiss's tracks to play us out bye-bye love you lots bye-bye love you I love you. Bye bye. <laughs> what? That that was really heartfelt. The last one that Beef did there. I love you. Because <laughs> I'm wearing my headphones, it's like you're whispering it in my ear. I feel so caressed. <laughs> All right. Bye bye. Love you. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, I'll actually stop the recording now.
There's a fucking nut in this shit, Sharon. <laughs> Him and his... Uh... It tastes fucking awful. Because <laughs> <laughs> normally it tastes great. <laughs> oh, it's gone off, Sharon. <laughs> How long has this been in the fridge? Didn't she send a shit to someone? We talked about that on another yeah. episode. She yeah. sent a poo in a box from some hate mail they got saying. Anyway, that's way off topic. That's a that's a man. It's a poo in Sharon a box. shit box. Shit box. Shake if you shit box. listen to our story talking about Sharon Osbourne's poo in a box, that's on the full moon episode of Weird Tales. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah, it went way just... off the rails. At the end of it, we're talking about doing a dump in uh, in the middle of a gig. <laughs> Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Oh, is that when I was talking about that Oasis gig? Yeah, yeah, yeah. we talked about it for so long, so off the rails, <laughs> that the actual episode of Full Moon is only 45 minutes long, then there's the outro music, then there's like 20 minutes of us talking about feces. <laughs> really? Oh, my God, that's amazing. Oh, so juvenile. I know, we wouldn't do that now. It's not like no. we've been talking about shit for the last 10 minutes.